The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. When you gotta love it, it's good like it should be Makes you never wanna give it up Cause you know that some people die for love And I believe it's true cause I do the same for you Good morning, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California Streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes Welcome to Fighting for Love This show will help you turn conflict into collaboration in all your relationships. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank, an attorney mediator since 1985. She's the author of several books, including Negotiations, Breakthroughs, and Fighting for Love. She's a mediator for the Orange County Superior Court Civil Mediation Panel, and she mediates business, employment, divorce, privacy, and other civil cases in her private practice in Laguna Niguel, California. Mari's a professor of negotiations and conflict management and has been a certified state bar trainer for over 25 years. She teaches leadership and conflict management courses at Brandman University and here at UCI, and she trains corporate leaders' powerful communication and conflict transformation skills. To learn more about the show and our great guests, please visit conflicthealing.com. Mari, what's your show about this morning? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about apologies and forgiveness, and they are powerful, powerful things to do when there is conflict. And I'm so excited because I've been reading this wonderful book called When Sorry Isn't Enough, Making Things Right with Those You Love. And this is by Gary Chapman and Jennifer Thomas. And Dr. Jennifer Thomas is with us today, joining us. Let me tell you about her wonderful background. She's a best-selling author, a TEDx speaker, a leadership consultant, and a psychologist who helps people know what to say in every situation. And for more than a decade, she's been doing so many things, speaking engagements, writing books, and she has tremendous resources that she's been helping others to bring heated arguments to a screeching halt. She's been helping to restore valuable relationships, breaking through barriers and building respect and offering apologies, helping people to offer apologies that are fully accepted. She is the co-author, as I just said, of When Sorry Isn't Enough with Dr. Gary Chapman, who has written The Five Languages of Apology. Um, and she, her books um, have been translated into 16 foreign languages and sold hundreds of thousands of copies around the world. Her expertise helps readers and leaders know the right thing to say, even in difficult situations. And she has a doctorate degree in clinical psychology from the University of Maryland. And she earned a BA in psychology and religion from the University of Virginia in Charlottesville, Virginia. So we had a little talk about that, how we both love Charlottesville. And she's going to talk to us about what to say when the stakes are high. And also, she's going to tell us about taking a free apology profile. And you can register for her newsletter, her free newsletter, and learn more about life-changing books. Um, you can visit her website at Dr. That's D-R-Jen, J-E-N, Thomas, 
com. So we're so thrilled to have you with us, Jennifer. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure to be on your show. Okay, so what led you and Dr. Chapman to conduct research to write this book about giving and receiving apologies? Well, I'm a therapist in private practice, and the idea for this book actually didn't come out of my work with the couples there. It came out of an argument that happened in my own marriage. Hmm. I had made a mistake. And I said to my husband, I'm sorry, and I tried to move on, but I realized that he wasn't ready to move on, and so there was this awkward silence that hung over our dinner, and so after a little while, I asked him, JT, what's the matter? And he said, well, I just wish you would apologize. And I thought, wait a minute, I said I was sorry, and then I I actually got curious, and I asked him, well, you know, I said I was sorry, so what was it that you were waiting to hear? And at this point, I want for you and your listeners to think, okay, well, what what do you guess he was waiting on? Because that is going to be your apology language. Gary Chapman and I coined that term to help people get out of their own shoes and to move into the shoes of the person who's receiving the apology. And I was struck by the idea of how similar that is to the love languages, where we need to speak not in our own language, but in the language of the recipient. And so I knew Gary Chapman a little bit through our professional affiliations, and so I reached out to him and told him that I had done some studying on apologies, and I had found a number of different phrases that people wanted to hear in apologies, and so we surveyed people, and we actually found that there are five of these different apology languages. Now, Mari, I promise we weren't looking for five, although we know Dr. (laughs) Chapman, he really likes that number. Right, right, right. And each one is really a separate category. They build on each other, but our point is that it's important to know what the apology language is for the most important people in your life, and when you apologize, be sure that that's the one that you don't leave out. Right, right. So let's talk about these five languages. You know, in in mediation, it's really important for people to apologize, to really move on, to really let go, especially if they're going to try and continue in a love relationship or even a business relationship or an employment relationship. So there is there is a, a tremendous power, and sometimes when I'm in mediation, just the true essence of a, an apology will help us to settle at a less value than we would if there was no apology. That's right. It it makes sense emotionally, but also financially. I go and I speak to companies about customer service apologies and about um, the importance of apologizing when there's a workplace mistake because we know that that can hold off lawsuits. And the, on the opposite side, if people feel invalidated, then they're more likely to take you to court because they didn't get the apology they needed. Yeah, I read something um, recently about medical malpractice as well, that when doctors apologize, you know, they're afraid to apologize because it sounds like they're admitting guilt. Uh, But the insurance industry said that where doctors were apologizing, that the medical malpractice recovery was much lower. 
So it makes so much sense. And what we recognize is that, hey, we're all going to make mistakes. No person and no workplace is perfect, but those mistakes cause a wall to be built between us and the other party. And what apologies do is they take down that wall and they open up the possibility of forgiveness and reconciliation. Right, right. So, you know, before we go on to the five types of apologies, I, I, we've spoken on this show many times, and I have a chapter on forgiveness in our new book. But, you know, um, are you there? Yes. Okay. And one of the things that people don't always understand what it really means to forgive, what forgiveness is. Let's let's just kind of talk about what forgiveness is and what it is not. Yes. Well, you know, this is an area where there is a lot of controversy. Some people believe that forgiveness means forgetting. Um, and it means deciding, hey, I'm not going to carry the burden of this anger. And so it's a therapeutic thing to forgive people whether or not they've actually apologized. On the other hand, in religious traditions like in Judaism, there was a really high value placed on people confessing what they had done wrong, which is apologizing, and then being restored in a formal way in that relationship. Yeah, I think of that even with Catholicism when people mm-hmm. go and they do confession, you know, that's another thing. But but people don't remember or don't think about this is that when they, you know, that old adage, if you don't forgive somebody, it's like you're taking a poison and expecting the other person to die, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> because I know people who have don't want to forgive, they carry this anger with them. And it can make them sick. Exactly. The bitterness is something that we don't want to carry around with us. It doesn't do anyone any good. And what we find is that it's so important to get that match between what you're offering and what they want to hear so that you're not throwing out an apology that gets ignored because that's really the most frustrating thing of all. We want for people, when they go to the trouble of apologizing, to make sure it's going to hit the mark. Right. And if you say, oh, I'm sorry, really in a flippant way, it doesn't feel real. It's just like somebody saying it. I remember my my <laughs> my daughter used to do that. I'd say something about this is what happened. She goes, well, I'm sorry. And, and I said, well, what does that mean to you? You know, it doesn't feel like it means anything. Help me understand what that means to you. Are you, you know, are you thinking about doing that again? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, help me know where you are on that. So so let's talk about these five languages of forgiveness. And I'm sorry, of apology. Yes. So we also have studied these five and found how popular each of them are. So our first one is expressing regret, and we found that 40 people out of 100 are most looking for this. So they want us to express in detail how we affected them. So they want to know that we understand emotionally the pain that we've caused them, the worry, the inconvenience, and not in general terms, but in very specific ways of showing that we've put ourselves in their shoes and we understand the feelings that we've caused in them. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm one of those people. (laughs) (laughs) I am as well. (laughs) 
you know, I I want to I want to hear that they really understand me. I had a little crazy little tiff with my co-author, and then he said he was sorry, and he repeated back what I had said. But then I said, he said, um, "What do you need from me?" And I said, "I really need to know that you understand why I felt so bad." Mm-hmm. And um, I could tell he didn't get it, so I tried to say it in a different way, and he goes, "Oh." I get it now. So this is what you were feeling. And then I felt much better. <laughs> right. Yes, you were validated and you felt that they were really sincere. And as yeah. we go through these five, you'll see the word sincerity is really the linchpin on the whole thing. And so often we are sincere, but if we're not gearing our apology towards what they need to hear, they may doubt our sincerity. Exactly. Okay, so we got first express regret. What's the second one? Okay, it is accepting responsibility, and that one is almost equally as popular. 37 people out of 100 most want to hear us say, I was wrong. So if this is like a court of law, they're looking for us to plead guilty. (laughs) And, And they're bracing themselves for us to say something like, but, or to make an excuse, because that's what has happened to them too often. But they really want a good, fresh, acceptance of responsibility with no blaming them, no excusing ourselves, and no trying to deny what we've done. Right, right. And I think it takes a lot of courage, but people really respect you. If you if you think about, um, you know, our politicians who have, exp- exp- you know, expressed their remorse and taken responsibility versus those who have tried to cover up, I mean, that was the big thing with Nixon. You know, it was all just a cover-up. If he would have just come out and say, look, I let it happen, and I'm sorry, and I I know better, and I shouldn't have, and I take responsibility. But I think when anybody takes responsibility, it feels to me like I can respect them again because they aren't hiding. That's right. It builds trust, and that is critical, both at home and at work, but it's so hard for some people because they may not be able to swallow their pride. And what I find as a psychologist is that often if people grew grew up in a home where they were told they were bad over and Mm -hmm. over, not they did a bad thing, but they were bad, Mm -hmm. then they got probably in a habit of hiding their mistakes, and sometimes they carry that bad habit right into adulthood. Right, right. You know, I've always told my kids when they were growing up, and they're grown-ups now, but I I would tell them, look, tell me what you did, and I won't be as angry as if you cover up. <laughs> you know, exactly. tell me, and I'll deal with it. But if I find out that you're not telling me the truth, that you're you're trying to hide something that you did, and you, you aren't sorry for it, then, then that is going to be a punishment. But this is going to be like, okay, everybody makes mistakes. So... Right. Yeah, trying to teach our kids and our you know students or whatever. It, it I think it's really important. It's like an adult thing to do to take responsibility, isn't it? I mean, as a psychologist, that's what you probably work with people all the time. Accept responsibility. Yes, it does take maturity. And what we found is that all of these apology languages are popular, but this one for some people, if you don't say, I was wrong, and really accept the responsibility, you could say a lot of other things, you could say how sorry you are, but they may feel like you're holding out on them, 
And the sad thing is you won't even realize it because you may have said, I'm sorry, with great sincerity. Right, right, exactly. And and that's uh, sometimes, I guess, the thing to do is if you do it from your perspective, like the language of love, <laughs> Dr. Chapman, you know, if you give the language of love that you like, um, it may not work for the person that you're in love with. So I guess right. the thing to do is, is, Jennifer, is to ask, like, what do you need from me, or how how can you forgive me? What would it take for my apology to feel really good for you? <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. And we talk about these as the two essentials for healthy relationships. We need to be able to speak their love language and to speak their apology language because we know everyone makes mistakes, certainly myself included. And so I recommend that people jot down all five of these and be ready to use them and practice them. Okay, so we've got first one was express regret. Second one was accept responsibility. Let's go to the third one. The third one is to make restitution or making amends. And this comes out of the AA 12-step movement. It's Mm -hmm. so important that we be willing to pay the cost, whether it's spending our time or our money, to put the person back and make them whole after a mistake that we've made. And for the person, we found 10 out of 100 most want to see the amends. For them, the first two are like, hey, talk is cheap. Right, right. They're waiting to see the action, and that's when they'll really believe that you're sincere. Yeah, great. What about the fourth one? Our fourth one is revising the plan, and this is where you're going to show the person that you are turning away from your mistaken ways. And so you're going to let them know, okay, I'm making a commitment to do something different and so that in the future I'm going to be able to head this off from ever happening again. Mm. And this is really my secondary apology language. I always want to know, okay, how are you going to head this off? Are you going to set a reminder next time? Are you going to do something so that we won't wind up here again? Because honestly, my forgiveness has limits. Right. And I'm, I may be getting frustrated, especially if it's happened a couple of times. And so I'm going to be listening to hear that they've put some thought into how they're going to head it off. And to me, that shows me their sincerity. That I am 100% with you, Jennifer, that I want to know, okay, I did this, and this is what I'm going to do in the future to avoid doing that because otherwise, you know, we have to have boundaries. Like you said, you have limits and we have boundaries. And right. if you do this again, then here's going to be the consequences. Mm-hmm. You know, I am not going to be able to stand for it. I'm willing to do it now. So that's that's another one. That's probably my second one, too. <laughs> right. And it was fairly popular. We found that it was as popular as the making amends. Each of them, 10 people out of 100, are waiting to hear that. But our final language of apology is more rare. What is that? That one is the request for forgiveness. Ah. We found that a small little piece of the pie, 3% of the people, most want to hear us ask, will you please forgive me? Right, right. And I believe this one really comes from our own scripts from childhood. If you had a parent or a teacher who required you to ask that question, then you're going to expect for your coworkers or other people 
to ask that of you. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the challenge is that, that we grew up with all different parents, and it was the minority who required that. And so that person who wants to be asked for our forgiveness, they're going to be wondering, well, you know, is she really sincere? Like, if if I'm apologizing to Susie and I don't ask for her forgiveness, she might be thinking, well, Jennifer was just getting warmed up, but why did she stop short of asking me for that? Uh-huh. That's a that's a good one. I'm trying to think if, if I ask for that, you know. Um, yeah, maybe not in that way, but I mean, I, I guess when I've upset my husband or something, I'll say, you know, what do I need to do? that you know that I'm sincere and, mm-hmm. and you know, how I don't know if I've said actually those words, you know, will you forgive? I think I've said, will you forgive me? I'm trying mm-hmm. to think about that. But, um, yeah, that's a really good point. I don't hear that as often as what would it take for you to forgive me. Right. Yeah. And yet it, it can be very freeing. I didn't grow up asking this question, but I've learned to do it partially because I can carry around guilt when I make a mistake. But it might be that the other person doesn't want me to still feel guilty. And so if we can have a conversation about, hey, oh, gosh, I hope you can forgive me, very often they'll say, oh, yeah, Jennifer, I'm this, I make the same mistake. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And then I go on and have a better day, and our relationship grows. Yeah. You know, when I'm, uh, this is something else that kind of goes with apologies, but it's a little bit different. When I hear um, someone say something that maybe they think, for example, I'm in mediation, and somebody will tell me something horrible that happened to them, I might say, oh, I am so sorry that happened to you, even if it's not my fault, you know, right? just to give them that empathy. Or sometimes if they say something that I really had no intention, in other words, I I wouldn't say, yes, I'm at fault, but let's say they misunderstood something I said, I'll say something, oh, my goodness, I am so sorry that it came across that way. That is not my intention. That isn't what I meant. I really apologize. Sometimes I apologize for what people perceive was meant when it wasn't meant that way. Does that make sense? Yes, and we do have a section on over-apologizing, which is the extreme end of that, because some of us do that, and and the problem, not in your case, but you know the person who just apologizes even for living, they end up to where people don't appreciate their apologies as much. And so we do need to be careful about it. Yeah. The kind of apology I use is when people are in a lot of anger and pain, is that and they think that I said something that was maybe dismissive of it, um, and then I say, "Oh, I'm so sorry if you perceive that that way. That was not my intent, you know." Right. So that they feel legitimized. So that's another kind of apologies when I didn't do something wrong, but when someone thinks that that um, my intention was wrong. <laughs> right. Yes, and it can draw you closer. Just that willingness. Mm-hmm to um, admit your part in something, even if it was also partially their misunderstanding. And what we encourage people to do is to go ahead and apologize for their part in things and to make sure that you're not um, holding out expecting them 
to apologize in return. That's a mistake I see people making sometimes. It's important to, to feel that your apology will stand on its own, even if it's not met by an apology on the other end. Right, right. You know what? I love you have that list about um, what what not to say. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you're apologizing, I thought that was really helpful so people kind of know what to say and what not to say. Because sometimes people will say something. Um, I had a mediation, you know, even today, and um, that, that kind of surprised me with some clients that some of the things that um, that the husband had said to the children, and I don't think he even got it, that he... <laughs> You know, said something that that really did not seem like an apology, although he thought he was apologizing to his kid. Right, like to the extent that you were offended, I apologize. Or if, you know, apologies that begin with if or include a but, those are really non-apologies. That's what he did. He did, I apologize, but, and I said, why did you say the but? Why didn't you say I apologize and I'm glad that, you know, you're you're hearing me and, you know, don't go with that but. <laughs> right. And when sorry isn't enough, we talk about that but erases what came before. So you don't want to erase your apologies. Also, I've created a fun quiz called How Good Is Your Sorry? <laughs> so people can check out how good they are at apologizing. Yes, and you, they can get that right uh, in the book. I see it here, too. But is, is it also on your website as well? It is. I have a free resources tab at www.drjenthomas.com, and there people can take those quizzes as well as a quiz to find out your apology language. And I also have the free Five Love Languages quiz there. Yes. We're speaking right now with Dr. Jennifer Thomas, who is a psychologist, and she wrote this wonderful book, When Sorry Isn't Enough, Making Things Right with Those You Love. And she wrote this with Gary Chapman, who wrote The Five Languages of Love. You know, I really love these things about what not to say. I bet a bunch of, I bet a lot of us have said things like, okay, um, haven't you gotten over that yet? (laughs) 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 It's time to move on. Why can't you just drop it? Why are you so sensitive? We all feel those ways sometimes, but it's, it's important to really put ourselves into the shoes of the other person. And when we do, we're going to find that our relationships are more strong and productive. Right. And sometimes when somebody says something, it's such a deep wound that it takes them some time even to process that apology, don't you think? Exactly. That's a great point, Mari. And with that request for forgiveness, we say, look, you can't put a timeline on this. The one who messed up actually has to be willing to be patient and wait until the trust is rebuilt and they're willing to forgive us. Yeah. I was just speaking with a new client the other day who she had uh, had an affair after 10 years of marriage and they were at a very bad time in their marriage and then they got remarried. And um, and now, 10 years later, they're going to get a divorce again. And she said, you know what? He has never forgiven me for that, even 10 years later, and I can't take it anymore. So I thought that was interesting. That's right. It's a hurt that can continue to fester. That barrier is still there if there hasn't been a good enough apology to take down the wall. 
Yes. And I love you have here um, the things to say when you are apologizing because, you know, we have about a minute left and I want to make sure that we end on a positive note telling people what we told them what not to do, but now we can tell them what to do. I love these here. Um, I did it and I have no excuse. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I'm responsible for the mistake. I've damaged your trust. These are, you know, these are not easy for some people who would rather be right than happy. (laughs) (laughs) But I think they're beautiful. And I love this. My heart aches over what I've done. Mm. Yeah, this is just really wonderful. So we are just out of time. I just want to, again, say, Jennifer Thomas, you are terrific. And we love your book, When Sorry Isn't Enough, Making Things Right with Those You Love. And we will have you back again. All right. I appreciate your time. Thanks, okay, Mari. Okay. Thank you. Thank You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. and visit our website at conflicthealing.com. Thanks. Hi, I'm Mari Frank, host of Privacy, Piracy, and Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. Thank you for listening to KUCI. This week is Fun Drive Week. KUCI brings you wonderful music and public affairs shows 24-7. We give you the gift of listening, and now we ask you to give your pledge gift. It's tax deductible. When you call in your gift, you will also be eligible to receive a pledge gift from KUCI. Most of all, you will help to continue the great shows. So thank you for calling 824-5824-UCI-KUCI. Make your tax-deductible donation right now by calling 824-5824. Thank you. Some people die for love, and I believe it's true because I do the same for you. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. 